Well, good morning and welcome on this beautiful Sunday morning. I know it's a little bit brisk, but uh, we're glad that you're with us and uh, hoping that uh, as we come into this place, we'll appreciate warmth and we'll be able to appreciate not only the building to join with, but also to gather together. Those of you joining us online, we welcome you as well. Thank you for joining with us this morning and uh, looking forward to what our time together has. Uh, this is a week where we anticipate a coming of a Thursday, and that's when we get to uh, sit around a table, and I hope that you're able to enjoy some time with uh, friends, with family members, different ones. I know we've got several that are traveling, some that are even away from us today, several away from us today, and uh, so be in prayer for those that are on the move and going to visit family members that are in distant places. And uh, just continue to pray one for another. A few things I want to make sure that you're aware of as uh, we go into our bulletin here this morning. A couple of details I want to make sure that uh, you note. Uh, one is that there is a flyer, <coughs> excuse me, inside of our bulletin. It talks about our Christmas service. And uh, this is not just an information for you inside of the bulletin. This is also an example of some of these that you can pick up. And uh, they're out in the foyer. These are available. If you would like to take a few and invite some people specifically, uh, December the 11th, we are planning to have a Christmas service. And uh, there will be a, a cantata and a time of uh, hearing music on the, of the season, but also then some readings and scripture readings and recitations that uh, will join with that. And so December the 11th, and this is a way for you to not only remember, but also to invite and encourage others to come as well. So I hope that you'll take a moment uh, to take that and think of some people and how many would you take and pass those out in your neighborhood uh, to friends, different ones, and encourage them to come take part in that on December the 11th. There's another bulletin insert there that has some information about uh, different activities, different events, and that also does have our holiday schedule and uh, so that we can all be aware when the church office is maybe not open as well as some of the different uh, schedule changes as far as service times and things like that, especially this year. If, I don't know if you caught it or not, but Christmas is actually on Sunday this year. And uh, so that uh, presents opportunities for us to adjust a little bit and uh, the need to do so. So I hope that uh, you'll take note of that and uh, be aware of that as well. You'll notice some other things there in the bulletin. One is an update uh, about our uh, Grace Building project. Uh, Grace builds uh, using the idea of what Greater Grace, the fund, is uh, leading us to. There's some information there. Uh, there is a small group of people that are helping us organize uh, really uh, a focus on our giving campaign as uh, we recognize where we are uh, in the process and uh, thinking about that in time of this season that we're in, if there are ways for you to give and maybe give a little extra, uh, this is a way for you to do so as we continue to pray about and to uh, think through what is hopefully coming, Lord willing, is coming in the next few months uh, as uh, we look to again start building and uh, see the building itself grow. And so there are those that are working uh, to help us as a church give emphasis a little bit on ways that we can give and uh, strategically thinking through that. And so appreciate your prayers for them as uh, they'll be helping us present ideas and uh, challenging us in this manner uh, so that we can see our campus rebuilt and get our master plan up and running again. So pray for those and uh, be praying about your participation in that. And uh, always remember uh, to be able to be conscious as we get into this time of being reminded of generosity and uh, how we can contribute one to another. 
There are some other uh, details here, and uh, just one other mention is that we are still offering sign-up for our small groups. Uh, some of the small groups are going to be meeting here probably in the next month or two just to kind of get initiated and get started, really kicking off pretty strongly in the, the new year. But uh, those sign-ups are still out in there in the four-year. If you haven't signed up for one, I encourage you to check that out. Uh, we have a few that are already active, and then these are some additional ones that uh, we are looking to initiate and get started. If you have questions about that, make sure that you talk with Kelly O'Rear and uh, he'd be more than happy to talk about those that are already going as well as those that uh, are going to be starting up and uh, look forward to getting those going here in the next few weeks and months. Uh, there is outside there in the foyer as well, uh, there's this sort of little booklet and it's called How to Have a Happy Christmas and uh, this has been very impactful for some. Uh, if it's something that's new to you, as it was for me, I encourage you to pick one up. This is also something that you can then turn around and give away. It's a, it's a gospel presentation. It's a way for you to present the gospel to others maybe that never have heard or are being challenged in this time of the year. But uh, how to have a happy Christmas. If you are interested, take as many as you like. We can get more. Uh, but uh, this is something that you can use to also invite people to our Christmas service. There is a sticker on the back talks about that but as well just a way to present the gospel so make sure that you look at that and uh, take as many as you'd like and as you promise to give them away and uh, make sure that you pass those out to different ones who need to hear of the real reason for the season that we're in as we move forward throughout this time of the year few other details there. I hope that you'll take a moment, look at them, make sure that you're apprised of, of situations going on in the school as well as in our ministry, and uh, just continue to uh, be aware of some of the, the schedule events. And uh, just a reminder that next Sunday, there will be no evening activities. That's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And uh, you all are aware Thanksgiving is coming this week, right? I mean, sometimes it's just how it gets me in my calendar. It's like, that's right, it's here, yes. And so I hope that uh, you'll have a very happy Thanksgiving. And from our staff to you as well. Uh, we wish you that and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing how the Lord encourages our hearts and uh, be thinking about this time of the year that we're in. As we're thinking about that, there are those that we are also mindful of and praying for and uh, take a moment there to look at their prayer requests and uh, pray, make sure that you're aware of those that are going through some different needs. Uh, it was good to hear that the Seif crews are both doing much better and are recovering and uh, just continue to pray for their ongoing strength. Pray for Sarah Allman. Uh, with her family. Grandmother passed away just this last week, I believe it was. And then also Ashley Gilmore, who is uh, continuing to have to stay home on bed rest. And if you know Ashley at all, that's the hardest thing on the planet for her to do, is to sit still. And uh, so be in prayer for her that, uh, in her pregnancy. And then also the Blushes. I want to mention that uh, they are traveling this weekend to go up and spend time with Tyler and their daughter and uh, the family up there. And uh, 17-year-old's grandson that is struggling with uh, a very serious brain tumor, inoperable, and it's at stage four. And uh, understand this may be some of the last days they have with him. And so be in prayer for them. Uh, they're finishing the trip, I believe. They stayed somewhere in northern Kentucky last night, traveling on into Michigan today. And uh, so just be in prayer for uh, the, the blushes and uh, the family and uh, through this time and uh, this time of the year. And, and uh, so... Just a lot of other things, uh, just recently heard of a, another loved one, uh, I think it was the Merits, uh, just uh, his mother passed away, and uh, so just be in prayer. Uh, this is a tough time of the year for a lot of us who have lost loved ones, and uh, so just keep our hearts close one to another through this time. 
We're going to stand together, if you would, and uh, give us an opportunity as a church to say a verse that focuses on the idea of thankfulness and where our real joy of thanksgiving comes from. It's Colossians 3.15, and uh, the words are here on the screen as we think about this idea of what peace comes into our life because of Jesus Christ and where that leads us then to be thankful. And uh, so thinking about this verse as we enter into this season, and uh, may our hearts truly be thankful. Let's say this together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. I love that last part, and be thankful. Let's be thankful in this season. This is not something that a Christian just does in November. This is an all-year event for us as believers. We have something to be thankful for. And so as we come together this morning, let's remind our hearts of where our real joy, our real peace comes from. It's in knowing Jesus Christ. Let's go to him at this time. Father, we're grateful for this morning. Grateful that we can be gathered in this place together with these people to be encouraged and strengthened, to be thankful, to be reminded of the peace that passes on understanding that fills our hearts and minds because of who you are and the consistency of your love and your grace, your faithfulness to us and how as we were reminded in James, every good thing comes from your hand. And so, Lord, we stand before you as people not deserving. And that's really what makes us thankful. Lord, this is not something that we earned. This is not something that we deserved. Lord, this is not just a trophy. Lord, this is something that you and your benevolence and in your grace you have poured out upon us. We have a relationship with you as our God. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning our hearts would be encouraged and strengthened, that we would truly be people that are reflective of your holiness, of your purity, of the uniqueness of you being a God, not just amongst others, but the one true God who is above all others. And, Lord, I pray now that you'll help us today as we worship you to do it out of a heart that is genuine. Lord, if there is sin in our hearts, if there is something that is detracting from your holiness and your goodness, Lord, I pray that we would have a heart ready to confess that, to admit that, to own that this morning. Lord, I pray that we would stand before you as seen by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you will reflect your goodness in our hearts and lives as we reflect that out to others around us. Lord, I do pray for those that are away today. I know we have several that are traveling Ask, Lord, that you'll give them a great time with family and friends and enjoying this vacation season as well as the time to uh, just interact and to be reminded of your bounty and your goodness. And, Lord, even like the blushes who are traveling into a very difficult situation, I pray that you would strengthen them. And Lord, help them to appreciate the joy of family and to appreciate the joy of memory, to appreciate the joy of knowing you as a God that cares and you are there and you are compassionate and you're loving. And I pray for Tyler. I pray for his family. And Lord, I pray that you'll give them strength in this time, Lord, realizing that your salvation has promised something that this world cannot give to us, and that is something eternal, other. And Lord, I pray that you give them strength as they endure what happens here. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for the healing and the grace that you've given to many within our body. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to do so. And uh, Lord, just continue to magnify yourself through our church. Lord, may we be a people that are truly reflective of your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Good morning. Psalm 150, the latter part says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And as pastor was saying, we have so much to be thankful for, uh, for our great God and who he is and what he has done and what he continues to do. Would you lift your voice with me this morning as we sing and praise our great God? Praise him, praise him.
in the troubled times. Sing when I win. I can sing when I lose my step and I fall out again. I can sing because you pick me up. Sing because you're there. I can sing because you hear me, Lord, when I call to you in prayer. I can sing with my
days for endless days we will sing your praise oh lord oh lord our god god thank you for the rich blessing and privilege we have to sing praises now but we can only imagine what it's going to be like when we stand in your presence and sing, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Lord, we anticipate that day. We long for that day. And we love you. Thank you for loving us. Amen. You may be seated. I invite you to take your Bibles with me this morning. And we're going to go to two different passages, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. I want you to go with me to Leviticus chapter 3 and then to Hebrews chapter 13. Leviticus 3 and then to Hebrews 13. I like to speak on the idea of a peaceful thanksgiving. Leviticus 3 and then Hebrews 13. I'm going to begin in the Hebrews 13 passage and then we're going to read Leviticus chapter 3. But notice Hebrews 13 and verse 15 where it says, through him, referring to Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. A sacrifice of praise. Something that is the evidence that comes from the, the enunciation of our words, the declaration of what's within our heart, a giving of thanks to his name. And with that in mind, I want you to go back now to Leviticus chapter 3, and we're going to read a chapter that for us in our New Testament, and our very Western cultural thinking, really kind of causes us to kind of like swallow hard and not really get real comfortable. So I'm going to forewarn you of that. Leviticus chapter 3, and he begins in verse 1, now if his offering is a sacrifice of peace offerings, if he is going to offer out of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without defect before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and slay it at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood around on the altar. And from the sacrifice of the peace offerings, he shall present an offering by fire to the Lord the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, which is on the loins and the lobe of the liver, liver which he shall remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's sons shall offer it up in smoke on the altar on the burnt offering, which is on the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. But if his offering for the sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord is from the flock, he shall offer it male or female without defect. If he is going to offer a lamb for his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and slay it before the tent of the meeting. And Aaron's sons 
shall sprinkle its blood around on the altar. From the sacrifice of peace offerings, he shall bring as an offering by fire to the Lord its fat, the entire fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone and the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. And the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, which is on the loins and the lobe of the liver, which he shall remove with the kidneys. And then the priest shall offer it up in the smoke on the altar as food, an offering by fire to the Lord. And moreover, if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on its head, slay it before the tent of meeting. The sons of Aaron shall sprinkle his blood around on the altar. And from it he shall present his offering as an offering by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, which is on the loins, and the lobe of the liver, which he shall remove with the kidneys. The priest shall offer them up in smoke on the altar as food, an offering by fire for a soothing aroma, all fat that is the Lord's. And it is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. In all your dwellings you shall not eat any fat or any blood. Father, I pray as we take a moment this morning and think about some things that in our way of thinking are foreign. Most of us in our cultural ethnic backgrounds have never experienced or been around anything like this. And yet it's a part of the history of even our faith that is tied to what we would understand as what scripture alludes to as something that gave as a foreshadow, an understanding of what was to come. And so Lord, I pray this morning that as we enter into this week and we anticipate a day in our American culture, American heritage here in the United States, a day that we set aside and we call it Thanksgiving Day, then Lord, we recognize that being thankful is not something that is American. It is something that is truly divine. It is something that comes from your hand. Lord, that we would be a people that are truly and genuinely thankful. And what does that mean? So help us this morning to understand a little bit better, to appreciate a little bit more, to grasp a little bit more confidently what it is tying together, the, the work of your hand, and Lord, what you have left in our hands so that we might do your work. So bless now this morning, we pray in Christ's name. There's a story of a 13-year-old lad who had, and I'm going to preface this, say, I don't know this kid, so he didn't grow up in my house at least, Okay. My boys are always like, oh no, what story is he telling? So this is a 13-year-old kid from somebody else's house, all right? I don't know where the story came from, but there was this 13-year-old boy who had a great idea for a prank that he was going to do around Thanksgiving Day. He thought it'd be really funny to put one of those rubber chickens inside of the oven before mom put the turkey into the oven. And he was just in his mind thinking, that young 13-year-old mind, what it would look like for mom to open up the oven and there is this rubber chicken in the oven staring up at him. But also being a 13-year-old boy, he forgot that there is one very important issue to his prank, and that is most adults preheat the oven before they put the turkey in. And I think you get the idea of what happened then. And that, that must have been quite an amazing Thanksgiving day for them, right? Wouldn't you agree? The idea of Thanksgiving, the season that we are entering into, it's a time for family, there's a time for food, there's a lot of noise. 
Every time we sit down, even as a normal family, there's a lot of activity and conversation and picking and, and uh, just the back and forth and things. And then you add another group of people who come in. You got the in-laws and the outlaws. I mean, the, the, the parents and the different ones that are there. And, and you have sibling groups and their kids. And you have all of this excitement around the event of Thanksgiving Day. The words peaceful and Thanksgiving Day usually are not ones that we share in synonymous ideas or thinking. And the reality, though, is, is that God very much intended for these two concepts to go together. In Scripture, when Thanksgiving is given, you find that most of the passages, when you do and you, you do a search of all the times that we refer to the idea of whether Hebraic or the Greek words, and you get translated thanks, thanksgiving, thankfulness, Pretty much all of them are in reflection of something that God has done, an attribute of God or a quality of God that has been on display. And most what you would see is, is that it would be a word of thanksgiving to what someone else has done be, on the behest of, on the behalf of God giving to them and them passing it on. It's always in connection with observing what God has done, what God has provided for. In Leviticus, a book that I know that you read quite often and do most of your daily devotional work out of, right? You know, in the book of Leviticus, what you find is that most of Leviticus is written with an understanding of how the law was to be prescribed. There's a technicality to it. There is a structure, there's an organizational aspect to this. This is about the Levites, thus the name Leviticus. This is about how they are to do what God has prescribed for the nation of Israel to do. When it comes to all things religious and all the ceremonial rites, Leviticus is your manual. It's your go-to book. And the book of Leviticus really doesn't talk a lot about the why. It talks more about the how except for really one verse, and that is Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, where it says this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Leviticus chapter 3, we find here it's an introduction to a thought. There is a, a, a verse there. It's, a, it's the kind of offerings that are described as peace offerings. And the entirety of chapter 3, it talks about what you do with your offering. And there's a lot of blood involved. This is described as a meat offering. It is, a, a, it is an animal that is brought. And in fact, what is also interesting about the peace offerings is they were meant to be in, done in fellowship with other people. Other people joined with you in celebrating, in giving, in, in observing the peace offerings. There's a part that, as you'll notice in there, there's a part that is removed, the blood, and is poured out, sprinkled out around the altar. This is not a sin offering. This is not a guilt offering, but it is an offering that involves blood. It involves sacrifice. It involves an animal. It involves taking parts of that and dedicating parts of that directly to God, which is where it is being brought to. This is a place where then the entrails and the fats and those, the livers and all those things are put there. And, and I can't imagine what that would smell like in the sense of just, it's sort of like having a perpetual grilling going on. You're, you're enjoying the aroma and that's the idea. This is a pleasant smell. This is something that is odorous to God in the sense of not being a bad odor, but something that is wonderful, 
wafting up. Now, unless you're a vegetarian, then you might have a difference of opinion. There weren't too many Hebrew vegetarians, I can tell you that. And so from the Old Testament and into the New Testament, we find this understanding that thanksgiving is tied to sacrifice. But what does that mean? And so for us today to be thankful, it's not a sacrifice. I mean, think about it. When you said, oh, thank you, what did it cost you? Now, sometimes we are mindful of what it may have cost others, for which we are then responding in thanks. But what did it really cost you? Maybe it cost you some time sitting down and writing a thank you note. Maybe it cost you a little bit of time to spend some time on the phone to reach out and say a word. But when we think of being thankful, we're usually more aware of what someone else did and we don't really think about what it costs. And we don't initiate anything that is symbolic or reflective. We don't give up anything to be thankful. To be thankful may recognize that it costs someone else, but we have no connection to the brutality that this sacrifice had in the Old Testament and what the readers of the New Testament even knew when Paul or the other writers were referred to a thanksgiving as a sacrifice of praise, Hebrews 13. Let's dive into this this morning. I want to kind of help us this morning to appreciate some things as we're entering into, as we walk in this week, and we, as Americans, and I love going to other countries, you know, because some other countries will have what would be considered a day of Thanksgiving. They do it other days of the year and things like that. It's not necessarily that Thanksgiving Day is unique to America, but it is in many ways something that a lot of the rest of the world doesn't necessarily observe. They don't have, really, for a lot of the other parts of the world, don't have a day set aside where they say this is our day of Thanksgiving. And so we're getting ready to, in our American culture, to walk into this week, and we're all looking forward to Thursday. But what about tomorrow should we be thankful? What are some things that we can learn? What, I wanted to think through an idea of a peaceful Thanksgiving. Number one, let's talk about the sacrifices. Let's talk about this idea of what it means to have a sacrifice on the altar. You see, in the Old Testament, there were basically five different ritual sacrifices that would be performed in the tabernacle and then later on inside of the temple. And we usually focus more in our thinking of the New Testament because there are three that really are more identified with what we think of when we think about Christ, who is our sacrifice, as the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And those three would be called the sin offering, the guilt offering, or sometimes referred to as the trespass offering. And then there is a third one that's called the whole burnt offering. And those three are the ones that really do talk about and think about the ideas of sin. But then you have two other types of offerings. And they're referred to as the, and I, I kind of chuckle when I hear this, the cereal offering. No, there was no Captain Crunch offered on the altars, okay? All right, but at the same time, it's that idea of, of a grain, of, of a meal, it's, it's not necessarily like we're eating a meal, but the meal offering, the, the grain offerings, and so referred to as a cereal offering, is something that deals with the harvest and the, the grains that would be given. There was no meat in that one. And then there is this group here called the peace offerings. This one is also referred to as a fellowship offering. It was the idea of coming together 
and being appreciative together. It was always done in a group, always done in a crowd, always done with others in a company. You would share this meal. You would share this animal that has been brought. The priests would share. You would bring people to share. Even if you're alone, you're doing it with other people and describes what we have in common, what we share together in fellowship. All five of these sacrifices could be broken down into two different categories. First category was this, that there were those who were offered spontaneously to God in praise and thanksgiving because of the blessings that have been received and because of what God has done to show his favor upon us. And typically, this is where you would find these cereal or these peace offerings is where you would observe those types. A very spontaneous, God's done something, wow, let's go offer a sacrifice of praise. The other category of sacrifices would be described more as those that were demanded by Yahweh on the occasion of sin that had taken place inside of the Hebrew community. And that is where you find then the sin and the burnt and the guilt offerings. The first of those responded to God's goodness as being evidence in their lives. And the others deal with the areas where sin had clouded the holiness of God within the lives of his people. But these sacrifices comes the question of why. Why were these sacrifices prescribed? Why were they necessary? Because of the effects that sin has upon the heart. Because man has a tendency to rebel. And the understanding is that even from the times of Adam and Eve, we understand how quick we were to rebel against the holiness of God. And when we even use the word holiness, we oftentimes think of it as something that is like untouchable, something that is so removed. And and in some ways, we're right in that. The holiness of God is the idea of being unique, peculiar, distinct, something separated, something so far beyond the norm that we call it holy other, something separate, and that is God. But man in our hearts of rebellion have always sought then, since the times of Adam and Eve, we have sought to believe that we can do it better than God. And that creates within us a heart of idolatry, a heart that chooses to pursue other things, and we have relegated God to equalities that are not his status. He is not equal with any other God. He is God, and there are no others like him. And so I wrestle with that tension in my life every day. And this happened even back here. And so God had prescribed a way for man to identify and to show the evidence of their faith, their trust, their belief in this one true God. Sacrifices. It's not unique to the Hebrews, but it was different. Because of the effects that sin has upon the heart and the tendency of our rebellion, the blood of the sacrifice represented the purifying presence of God's presence. The altar was to bring God into the picture and his holiness and his purity in contrast to the sin and to the pride of our humanity. I like how Hill and Walton stated in their survey the sacrifices were never meant to save anyone. You know, we have misread that into Scripture so often. The, these sacrifices were never meant to be redemptive. In fact, they go on to write in that, they, they say, they preserved the holiness of God's presence and a healthy relationship between the people and God. 
The sacrifices were meant to identify for the people of God that there is something different about your relationship with this God than with any other God. And so it was a confrontation within their heart as to who God is and what is my relationship with this God. And when you understand that God was calling his people to awareness and contrast, you understand that the sacrifices were less about pleasing God and more so about finding how pleasing he is. The sacrifices were more about understanding how truly wonderful and how pleasing God is versus me trying to do this sacrifice in order to please him. And that's why the psalmist could write, it's not the sacrifices that you want. What do you want? I want a broken and a contrite spirit. It was less about trying to somehow make God happy with you in your fallen state and realizing that God had established a way to, for us to realize that he would do what was necessary to remove the guilt that stood between us, between me and him. And God was all about a relationship. And that relationship was about faith and trusting in the righteousness of God and upholding the uniqueness of God and his holiness. And these external sacrifices were just to reflect what was supposed to be true within the heart of every one of these people who were believing in and trusting in this God. And then came Jesus. And with the understanding of what Christ brought, these sacrifices pointed to a sufficient Savior, to a Lamb of God that would have the power and the authority to take away the sin. And Jesus would become that atoning sacrifice that would eradicate the need for man to find a blood substitute to sacrifice in this place, the evidence of their faith. And so now our faith today is evidence in other sacrifices that the New Testament points out. Have you ever thought that your generosity is a testimony of your relationship to Christ? Look at what Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18 says. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And notice how it describes it. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Do you realize that your worship expressed is a sacrifice to God? Very similar to the verse that we found, Hebrews 13, verse 15, where again, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to him. But notice verse 16, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Did you realize that your prayer life is a sacrifice to God? Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, where he says, Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hands. Our service to Christ that is done from a selfless expression is a sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. 
Or Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. All sacrifices. Sacrifices that reflect the heart and where our faith really rests. But what does that have to do with Thanksgiving? All right, I'm glad you asked that question. I want to focus for a moment on this other category of sacrifices known as the peace offerings. And so thinking about then peace. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, the verse that we read this morning, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body a peaceful thanksgiving. You realize that nowhere in the Old Testament do you find that the sacrificial system was ever intended to save someone or become somehow efficacious for that person or for a nation. The law instead was a teacher. It was a lesson on purity and the need for God to be present amongst his people. You start in the book of Exodus and you start recognizing that there was a message that started to come out of the book of Exodus where I am your God, you are my people, and we will dwell together. And you see that repeated even into the New Testament, how that there is this one, this God, and he has sent his son Jesus, that he could become a people who were not a people. And that we would dwell to him. For where he is, there we will be also. It's this relationship that is sharing then in the communal space. God wants to have fellowship with us. But how can there be genuine fellowship when there is war and animosity? How can there then be a sense of, of enjoyment of the other person's presence when there is hostility and hatred And so we find that even in Leviticus chapter 3, there is this appreciation of thankfulness. This is what set the Hebrews apart from the rest of the nations. I like how one writer put it when he said, the sacrificial system was designed to maintain a relationship between God and his people that would allow him to dwell in their midst, but it was never intended to determine their eternal destiny. And so when you come to the sacrifices and you find that God has given to the people a sacrifice called a peace offering, it really becomes an interesting study. And what I found interesting is that in the Old Testament, there were actually three different types of peace offerings. The first one was what we would describe as the votive offering, which was used to make a request of God or a pledge to God. Then you have the freewill offering, which was given spontaneously in presenting worship and praise to God. This is something that just came out of their hearts, a genuine reflection of praise and glory to God. And then you have a thanksgiving offering. And the thanksgiving offering was given to an unsolicited, special divine blessing. Something that God did that only God could do. Something that was presented as a blessing that comes directly from the hand of God. And you recognize that. You saw that. If you were a Hebrew, you would recognize that. And here's how you would respond. You would respond with a thanksgiving sacrifice. And all three of these challenged the heart. 
and where the believer was seeking to find peace for the turmoil or the expression of dependence. What am I really grateful for? What am I depending upon? What is it that God has done? What am I looking for to seek from God that only God can do? Where's my attention? Where's my heart? And inside of the peace offering was a thanksgiving offering. When God did something unexpected, when God evidenced himself in some special way, the heart of the believing Hebrew person was encouraged then to come with this thanksgiving offering. And inside of a sacrifice that celebrated the brutality of the coverage of sin. I mean, you look at all of these. There is a life that is expended, the life of this animal that is sacrificed, and it is something that is then shared in. It's something that is able to supply the needs for those that are servants within the temple area, but it's also for this is the one who brings it, an opportunity to gather others together and to enjoy and to celebrate and to appreciate what God has done or what God is going to do. And it all is encased in sacrifice. Thinking about the forgiveness by God the restoration of a right right relationship with God. And inside of all of that, you find a place and a way to say, thank you. It's very much like what the psalmist said in Psalm 32 and verse one, where he wrote, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. But I like it more so when Paul puts it in his way in Romans chapter five and verse one, where he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks. Church, of all the people on the planet who have a reason to be thankful, we have a reason to be thankful. I no longer stand in condemnation. I don't stand up here today inviting us to participate together in fellowship and slit an animal's throat, pour blood upon some altar, take and remove fats and livers and all these things and throw them on the altar as some aroma to this God that is in all heart and meaning and intention is still very much untouchable. I believe in him. I I long for him. I know that every good thing comes from him. But year after year, I'm reminded of my sin. Year after year, I'm reminded of my separation from God. Every day I wake up, I wake up with a reminder that there's something that stands between me and him. To be purely holy, to be purely in relationship with him, I need a substitute. And so I bring an animal and I place the blood upon an altar. And that's Romans 5.1. My faith has now declared me right. I stand wholly right before God, not on the basis of a blood sacrifice, but on the sacrifice of his son upon a cross. I stand free and I have peace. There's no basis of fear. There's no cloud. Sin has been dealt with. My sin has been dealt with. Hill and Walton, again in their book, some thoughts on how the spiritual character of God's people were expressed in the Old Testament. One of those ways is inside of thanksgiving. They make this statement. They say this, that thanksgiving is the exaltation of God for his goodness. His goodness as Israel's creator, redeemer, 
and king. Thanksgiving served to underscore the mercy of God in mediating his absolute holiness and human sinfulness. For the faithful Hebrew life was praising God, particularly by recognizing him as the source of all life, blessing, and provision. And the way they did it was by bringing in an animal as a sacrifice, and it was making a statement. We don't have to do it that way anymore. I'm glad. But what is the statement of my heart today? Out of faith and out of reflection of God's sufficient grace and his sufficient sacrifice for my sins, what is the statement of thankfulness that comes out of my life today? What will you give God thanks for in this season? How about the the part where he lives in us every day of our existence? That he is our life. And how about the fact that from him all the good things come? As James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good So how is it good that a Tyler has cancer? How is it good that a little baby is born? We say, wait a minute, hold on, I don't get that. We all look at life as if something that we created. I had a partnership in that, but I I didn't create it. To understand the testimony of a little life versus someone who dies when they're old? You see, we still like to control God by our estimation of time, our estimation of value, our estimation of longevity, our estimation of what makes it worthy. Instead of, we trust you, God. We know who you are. We know that everything that comes from your hand is what is necessary to accomplish your good. It is good. It comes from you. It is for our benefit, yes, but it is what is good in the circumstance of life. Understanding that as a believer, we know that we live because of the generous and the benevolent nature of our God. And we know that there is a peace that comes no matter what the conditions of life might be. I'm in a divorce. I'm in the loss of a loved one. I'm going through a very dire situation in my life of health or finances or you put it into the... But what about eternity? What about the fact that there is a God who walks with you through those? Can you still bring your sacrifice of thanksgiving to God? Can you bring your paycheck, slit its throat, pour it out on the sacrificial altar and say, it's yours, God, and I give you praise? Don't do that with your kids, okay? But in the concept of it, do we look at everything that God has given Everything that comes from his hand is this is what God has provided and I will give him. We live in peace with God and we possess a peace that comes from God. We are no longer under condemnation. No, we are no longer encased by the authority and power of sin. We have freedom in Christ. So let's walk in that freedom. We are to be thankful people. So make this year a peaceful Thanksgiving. That you focus upon the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that comforts our hearts and minds. The peace that is wrapped inside of grace in the person of Jesus Christ who has delivered us, redeemed us, paid for everything, 
no matter what could happen in this world, it is not about here. It's not about the nasty now and now. It's about the eternal forever there with him. And I have that settled. Do you? And so we walk in tribulation. We walk in persecution. We walk in adversity. But we have peace. Not because there's an absence of those things, but because we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And these are the things we know. And it gives us the ability to walk through whatever this Thanksgiving season looks like. And not treat it just as a day on a calendar, but as a life that is lived. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that we would have a real appreciation for the peace that comes with knowing you as our God. And I pray that our expression of life would be such that we would express that in every area of our life, that we would be declaring the praise of God, the, the, the attributes of God, the reflections, the things that we ask of your hand and how you provide and, and then the things that you do on our behalf. Lord, we just, we give you a testimony of praise today. And so many times we get distracted by the bad things, the bad in whose economy? It may just not be how we see it, how we want it, how we would have done it if we were, oh, that's right, but we're not you. And it makes us step back and appreciate that you are God and that you are good all the time. And in everything that you do, your hand is seen as authoritative with power and justice and fairness. Lord, I pray that we would get a right view of you in this season. And as we remind ourselves of what we are truly thankful for, that Lord, we'd recognize what it cost. It cost you your son. It cost you the sense of being bound inside of flesh for all of the rest of eternity. And you became for us our hope, our redemption, our salvation. You became our sin. Lord, we're thankful. I'm thankful that my life is not just about the here and now, but it's with you for all of eternity. And so, Lord, you can give us peace no matter what the circumstances may be. The sin of other people, the byproduct of a sin that is corrupting even this creation, Lord, we know that one day we will be set free. And so, Lord, we're thankful this morning. Lord, let this be a season of thanksgiving where we focus upon your sufficiency to deal with our inadequacy. And, Lord, may we quit looking at the inadequacies of others as the standard for our happiness. But may we find peace in you. So speak, Lord, as only your spirit can and help our lives to be expressions of gratitude, sacrifices of praise, demonstrations of the work of Christ in us wherever we go. And it's in Christ's name we pray. the sound that saved a wretch like me.
once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears Unending 
Lord bless you. Um, we have a fellowship time in the back for everyone. We'd love to meet some visitors. If you join us, we would love to have you back there just straight through these doors on out to the fellowship hall. Lord bless you. You're dismissed.